Good afternoon and welcome to Communicating the Value of IT to Senior Leadership, a Health System CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Televox. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO and I'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. You can send in your questions or comments at any time in the Q&A box and we'll take them later in the program. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, first we're going to go about 35 minutes with our main panel featuring Brad Busick, SVP and CIO at Multicare Health System, Michael Ely, CIO at Baptist Health, and Vic Krishnan, General Manager with Televox, and then we will have our Q&A. So let's jump right into our conversation. Brad, let's start with you. Can you give me an overview of your organization and your role? Yeah, you bet. Uh, good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, Multicare is located in uh, Tacoma, Washington, so up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we're a 12-hospital system, a couple of hundred um, clinics, and about 25,000 uh, people, um, $4.5 billion uh, in revenue. Been around for 100 years, and um, my role as the SVP CIO is um, over all things uh, technology, but we also uh, include uh, technical education, uh, biomed, um, and pharmacy informatics and clinical informatics uh, inside of our, uh, our organization. Very good. Thank you. Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me, Anthony. There's some similarities. I'm, I'm at Baptist Health in, in Little Rock, Arkansas. We're 11 hospitals, uh, 2 billion, about 250 clinics. We've been around for 102 years. So I don't know if Brad was exactly on 100 <laughs> or not. I've uh, been around the largest healthcare system um, uh, within the state, Epic organization. Um, so, yeah, glad to be here. <clears throat> Very good, Vic. I'm the leader of Televox. So we're the largest digital two-way patient engagement uh, SaaS vendor in the country. Um, I, I can't say that we've been around for 100 years or 102 years, but we just celebrated our 30th anniversary last year, and that's a pretty long time in the digital SaaS space. Pretty good. We'll take it, right? Very good. All right, um, Brad, we're going to start with you. Um, we often think of IT as responding to requests from business leaders in more of a passive way. Um, and I think that evolved from when IT did not want to be identified as running projects. That was a theme for a long time, uh, a little bit back when. Projects would fail and they would say, well, it was an IT project. It was run by IT. So an IT seemed to to step back and say, we're not running projects. You tell us what you want and we'll we'll do it. Uh, but that then they get to a bit of a passive mode. Um, but how often should it be the other? Because I've heard more and more recently about uh, it, it working the other way around, about IT, you know, more bringing ideas, bringing projects, bringing suggestions to the business, which is now more in line with the idea of truly being part of the C-suite and not just responding to, but adding value. Um, so how often are CIOs or should CIOs be taking ideas to the business. Um, and if you're not just taking them to the business, but you're really pushing them and trying to sell them, um, you know, how often does that happen and when should that happen? Yeah, this is a great question. And um, one of the, you know, kind of timeless uh, debates. Um, I don't know that there's a tried and true answer. I'll, I'll just answer how Multicare thinks about it. And then philosophically, how um, I think about it with my leadership team. Um, in many cases, not only is um, IT at the table, uh, IT is the table. And so being able to drive thoughtful dialogue with our partners 
about capabilities that they might not have uh, thought of is part of uh, us earning the right to be uh, heard. Now, this just doesn't happen over email or you know Teams chat. Um, we have a, a fairly rigorous every 90 day uh, plan, do, study, adjust event with our partners where every 90 days we're walking through uh, the capabilities that we want to have, whether it's, um, you know, Michael and I dealing with a nursing shortage. That's not unique to the Pacific Northwest. That's all over the map. So what can IT do to help uh, relieve some of that stress? Well, that we just launched an autonomous uh, robot uh, last month that's actually doing deliveries for our nurses. Um, IT brought that to the table. I didn't have to sell it because we all knew that the need was huge. Uh, and our chief uh, nursing executive said, yeah, how many can we get? And we partnered uh, to actually go and move that forward because the ROI, of course, is uh, almost immediate um, given the, the gap in the industry right now. There's other things that we do that you know we would you know lobby to say that we actually won't have IT projects. You, you look at something like a data center move and you're like, well, that's kind of an IT project, except it's not because we're building a new children's hospital. And so we have to get out before they start doing demo because we don't want to go dark uh, and move it to a data center or a colo. Um, similar to Michael, we're an epic shop. To be able to do that thoughtfully, it's a fairly easy sell to the business when you say, well, we really don't want our epic instance to go dark. So we need to have higher redundancy and be in a proper uh, colo. So it's a it's a little bit of a, a push and pull. Um, I will tell you that the wins that come out of these 90-day windows uh, for us um, really are the things that drive our roadmap. They help dictate the pace and the capabilities that we go after, but they're frequent enough that allows us to pivot and move when we need to so that we don't get stuck in a you know two-year-long uh, implementation of something. Very good, Michael. It's funny, I think Brad and I should have started having conversations because we just began evaluating that robot same, probably for the same vendor. Oh, let's talk. Yeah. And we brought it, right? We brought it to the table and, um, you know, we pulled in nursing and, and some other ancillary leaders, facilities, all those sort of things to start looking at that. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's a, a specific rigor or 90 day rigor around that um, that we have in place. But it's a, and, and there's there's no tried and true effort. I think it depends on the organization. Um, but, you know, I think more and more. IT departments, organizations, you know, I think you can get away from the IS, information systems. It's more about innovation systems, right? Innovation services. What are we bringing um, to push the envelope? And so we'll be, we're, we're in a whole host of operational, um, you know, structured meetings, you know, strategic meetings. We're hearing about these problems that, that people are trying to face. And then we'll go back and just start evaluating. One of the first things we do is we talk to our our, our main vendors. And so if it's a clinical issue, we'll go talk to Epic, Revenue Cycle, whatever. Do you have that? If not, then we'll go start looking at, at, at uh, you know, branching out there. And so we are always bringing um, new things, but you, you got to be mindful because you have still people in the back. You talk about data center, right? And so all this other stuff, all this other support that we're doing and building and, and all that, that, that's not going away, right? And so that's that's still largely there. And so it's it is a it's a balancing act of hey let's go out and innovate let's bring out new technology new capabilities to to meet these needs these demands these struggles that we're having, um, but but in conjunction with all of this other stuff that we're supporting and so that's that's the tricky part of it. Um, you know I, I think we we it's 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 easy to say fifty fifty but I say you know probably half the time the organization is is going out and identifying their issues and and talking to some. Um, some vendors themselves, and we try to pivot them, right? We try to pivot them to say, here, here's, 
let's think about what we already have within our, you know, our application scope today. Can we meet it with our current vendor, you know, vended solutions? If not, let's start evaluating these these additional new technologies. Um, Michael, are you are you saying it's important for those who are expecting uh, innovation from you to understand the totality of what the IT shop has to do, including those more behind the scenes, data data center, technical things that they may not be aware of. So you say they think you have all this capacity because yeah, it, they're thinking it, you only expect it to innovate. It is, you know, it, it, a lot of the the conversations we're having with with our colleagues it's not you know we're not talking about what's going on within our network and segmentation and and data centers and server storage and all of these moves there right that they're just they're not interested in that and so you really have to have a, a a good sense of of the work that's going on there or whenever we are adopting these newer technologies and the impact it's also going to have on your teams to handle that those sort of things because you know it's it's not like we're all getting all these new FTEs. Everybody's going to talk about that's that's a, and so we're doing more and more and more with less as we've been talking about for the past ten years. Um, but yeah, you really have to to educate them on on kind of prioritizing, narrowing down what we're going to focus on because there's only so much that we can do. Very good, Vic. Your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, look, as a vendor, my view is outside in, so it's informed by seeing what thousands of healthcare institutions do and what hundreds of CIOs at some of the largest health systems in the country appear to be doing. But my, my short answer and my take would be that there needs to be a very regular bi-directional exchange and dialogue between IT and the business leaders. Uh, at a hospital or health system, the business leader you know, will be championing and creating awareness around problems and they need to prioritize what problems are the most important problems to solve. But I think a good CIO you know, generally operates like a business-minded technologist, and it's their job to listen to those problems and highlight and help prioritize and find ways that IT can uh, uh, can essentially address those problems. So it's really just, uh, you know, ongoing bi-directional exchange. I don't think passive works. I mean, I think I agree with some of the comments that, you know, IT is the table, um, but there has to be an ongoing cadence and dialogue. All right. Very good. Thank you for that, Vic. All right. Next question. Uh, Michael, we're going to start with you. When a CIO is actively championing, championing a technology, what is the best way to convince department heads and users that the pain of change and there is always pain is worth the result? Yeah, you know, to me, I think it's 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 painting the picture about why this is going to be better for them, right? And so there's these struggles, there's there's labor shortages, there's you know we're all um, you know having contract labor sort of issues. And so I, I think if if it's it's a, a piece of technology that can, you know, enable, you know, diminishing some of that pain, um, you know, that's what we're trying to trying to do, right? What's what's the value to you? What's the value to your day to day operations? What's the value to your positions? What's the value to you on on the on the business end? Um, and and they need to be there with us as we are promoting this as well. Um, you know, it's it's rare. Well, I will just go and say, hey, this is the technology that we need to implement, you know, just by myself. If it's a if it's a financial rate related solution, you know, it's it's the CFO, the VP of finance, all those people are, are there with you um, and building a business case. The, I think the last time I, I went at it by myself was for us to, to shift to Google. Right. I was like, hey, let's let's become a Google organization. Let's go down that path. And I kind of led that. Um, 
but it's it's typically we are bringing people with us at the hip to try to drive that and it's to, it's to improve their operations uh the the google thing that that you pushed um looking back do you think you uh if you could do it again would you have enlisted other folks or or was that something appropriate for you to push alone no, I, I think I could have. Um, I built the business case with with the leadership group, and so really, you know, I had to sell it with them. And and I just remember sitting and we brought Google on site and and our partner Sada, and um, you know, they were kind of doing some demoing of the capabilities within Google. And at at they they show something, and our CFO said, "What they just did in two minutes there would have taken us two days to do." And so, hooked, done. That that contract was going to go forward, and so. I did bring it to the table there, but then after they understood the capabilities and the benefit to the organization operationally, they were helped driving that forward as well. Very good, Brad, your thoughts? Yeah, I think similarly, uh, I've found that um, if it comes from the CIO, even though you know Michael and I are both you know business guys that sit in IT, um, oftentimes when you kind of take a Noah's Ark approach and you have a business partner with, um, it it actually is informed by operations. So I'll give you two examples. We we recently rolled out uh, a new access center platform that is non-healthcare specific. Uh, and I picked it because it's not healthcare specific. I wanted what Alaska Airlines uses and Tesla uses because I want that for our patients and I want that um, intimate experience. I didn't go solo on that. Uh, I brought the head of our patient experience team with uh, and marketing um, and communications because we know that omni-channel at this point is meeting the patient where they are as opposed to waiting for them to call and make uh, an appointment. The power in that is that it actually didn't become a technology project. It became uh, led by uh, the business. And IT was simply uh, an enabler. And to Vic's point, you know, it's a cloud-based platform. There isn't a ton of quote-unquote infrastructure, if you will, to light that up, but there's a ton of integrations and other tools for my business partners to now go think about, like, what's our brand going to be for, uh, you know, chatbots and how do we think about self-service within Epic for scheduling? Uh, those things that previously um, would have been driven by IT, but now they're actually being driven by the business. So uh, that that was a more recent example uh, the bigger one that we're <clears throat> saying yes to right now, we launched this summer, uh, we're going live uh, with Workday uh, in July. And uh, this was a huge, as you would imagine, um, implementation replacing uh, Lawson. And it's really actually uh, driven uh, by four people, um, the head of our HR, head of our supply chain, head of finance, uh, and then me um, as the, you know, maybe the person that's going to take notes for all of them, uh, because <laughs> this is a huge uh, impact. And I love the word pain. Uh, you know, you've reached a different threshold when people are willing to go through the pain to get through the new world, because we know that Workday is actually going to be that much better for our system as we continue to scale. So I love being a champion, but I also love ensuring that it's other people's idea uh, so that it it lands and we have some shared interest. Very good, Vic. Um, how do you think a vendor can help their customers sell their vision internally? <clears throat> yeah, well, the way we think about it is that, uh, you know, a CIO was probably trying to balance between change, the pain of that change and the impact. So on the impact side, you know, our goal is to help them focus on the ROI, be able to articulate the ROI in terms of metrics, and also just plain speak in terms of how the solution is changing processes, operations, uh, and good case studies and references can actually help with that. Now, on the pain of change side, 
Uh, I think some transformations are painful and some multi-year transformations are unavoidable, but it helps to look at low-hanging fruit initiatives that can drive in-year impact. And of course, initiatives that can start with a pilot, right? So as a vendor, what we try to do is show up uh, with ROI data and metrics uh, that actually leverage actual data that we've seen when we've done this work in other health organizations. And then when we try to apply that to the organization that we're talking to. Uh, we as a vendor try to make it easy to pilot and implement. Uh, and we are open to offering ROI-based pricing to at least de-risk the pain on the financial side of the investment. All right. Very good. Okay. Next question. Uh, we touched on this a little bit, but let's see if we have any more uh, detail here. Um, you know, regarding the CIO being the sole champion, what about the CEO? They need to be brought in and who are the key individuals you need to get on board? And we've discussed different types of projects, so it varies depending on the specific project. But if we can go into that a little bit, little bit more, Brad, why don't you start us off? Yeah, you bet. I'd say it depends. And and here at Multicare, um, I have a direct reporting relationship uh, into the president uh, and a ton of um, engagement with our CEO. So, for example, right now we're doing an enterprise um, tabletop exercise, including our board, uh, around a cyber event um, that's being championed by our CEO uh, and executed through the president and you know through through my arm. Um, there's other things that, because of the span or the size, to Vic's point, uh, it's going to hit the CEO's desk because of the signing uh, amount and the signing limit. So, I never want him to be uh, blindsided. There's very few things that uh, we do in IT that he is not aware of, or my boss, the president is not aware of. Um, and we do, we have a lot of different communication channels for that, but every month we'll do our, our monthly newsletter that has literally the highest readership of 25,000 people in the system. And we're forecasting the capabilities that are coming by way of projects or um, enhancements. In addition to that, uh, we have that 90 day window that I talked about where business partners are invited in and we do that kind of rinse and repeat and study and adjust. At the conclusion of every year, uh, we we kind of adopt this mantra of uh, show me, don't tell me. Show me what value IT provided. Uh, if I need to go ask for 30 more FTEs, well, how much money did I save the organization in 2022? And um, that's a very business-driven conversation that has nothing to do with the shiny things, except that we actually quantify the value. And so um, that is uh, gold for, I think, our board, um, my colleagues on the president's cabinet, to really understand what it is that IT does uh, in business terms without you know talking in ones and zeros. Very good, Michael. Yeah, I think that you know the word always is, is probably the differentiator. I mean, you know, not always, but you know, I, I think it's there's there's a certain level of trust that you're able to build out on and being able to deliver. And the more that you're able to, you know, to deliver upon that, the more trust you build and you know you kind of have some some leeway to go out and drive things. You know, the, our CEOs are so involved on, on on really important things across the organization that they're focused on. Recently, we just had a, a had a retreat with, with some physicians and an outside speaker and really focused on physician burnout. And this has really got, got his attention. And so now we're meeting around, you know, the chief medical officer, chief strategy officer, the CEO, the chief operating officer, and the CIO to talk about physician burnout, right? And, and how we can address that, how we can help improve it. There's some things that are just, you know, around the EMR, but there's other things with billing and finance and all these other things um, that they want to focus on. 
And so, you know, I, I think we we really engage the CEO on those items that are that are across the organization um, where he has a, a distinct focus. Um, you know, and again, it, it depends on on the the type of uh, change or um, you know the type of technology that you're trying to to implement in terms of who you're getting involved. But yeah, you're right, Anthony. We kind of answered that earlier. It's, it's dependent upon that. You bring them along with you to kind of build that business case. And then if you're going to ask for capital, you're going to ask for increased budget, or you're going to ask for increased FTEs to support that. Often it's not me asking for that. It's the operational area that is going with me to help support them, asking for us maybe to get more FTE or to get budget to actually support their, their needs. And so that's that's a that's been a really good um, partnership um, here at Baptist, and and something that we've been able to um, have a lot of success in. Vic, let me give you a little different flavor of the question. Um, what what kind of projects do you think the CIO needs to lead personally versus when they can delegate to one of their team members? <clears throat> that's a good question. I think. Um, there's always going to be some measure of delegation and some measure of collaboration with other leaders. So uh, I'd want to soften probably the term personally, although I would defer to Brad and Michael on that. But here's what, you know, we actually see among our customer base. We see CIOs leading and certainly, you know, depending on when they delegate or not, like they're, they're involved, but we see them leading when a solution uh, is technology uh, oriented, right? As potentially as opposed to a solution that's human oriented or, you know, has is driven by some different uh, uh, type of uh, uh, modality. So, for example, right, we've got customers who are evaluating the use of omni-channel virtual assistants. Right, that's a very tech-centered solution, and those are the types of things that we see CIOs uh, uh, leading and championing on, championing on. And I would say, being involved personally throughout the process, there are uh, uh, certainly initiatives where. Maybe, you know, the CMO, the chief quality officer may be leading more. But I think it, going back to the earlier part of my answer, if the solution is technology oriented um, and it meets a certain threshold of transformation, again, I'll just give that example because we, we're seeing this a lot now, adopting a virtual assistant, right? That is the kind of thing that we would see a CIO lead on personally. But at the same time, I don't think we're seeing the CIO waiting for the CEO to tell them to go do that. Maybe it's a bit of the other way around and the CEO's in the loop, um, but uh, that's what we're seeing. Uh, Brad, any thoughts on, on Vic's comments? Yeah, maybe a follow-up question uh, to you, Vic. If it's being driven from a partner perspective, if it's being driven from uh, you know, the CEO down through the CIO, does that actually, do you see that there's less adoption because it actually feels like it's being done to an organization as opposed to being done with an organization? I think it it it, it depends. <laughs> it may depend on um, uh, the dynamics of uh, the relationship between the CEO and the organization there. Uh, but it's, I, I think we've seen varied, uh, 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 I wouldn't be able to you know, draw a line of the sand on that. But I would say, Brad, what you're getting to uh, is we have definitely seen more adoption of any type of solution, certainly digital ones is our wheelhouse, where there's been a bit more of an organic bubbling up of yeah. that. So when the CIO has been partnering with the other business leaders, a problem has been mutually agreed on as needing a solution. 
And then there's that dialogue that leads to an IT-centered solution. We generally see better adoption there uh, than through top-down. Yeah, and I think that's spot on. And I, you know, with lots of respect to all of our, uh, you know, CEOs, if my CEO goes to a conference and Michael's CEO is there and, you know, said vendors presenting, uh, it's inevitable that I'm going to come back and say, why aren't we looking at X? Because his colleague over at a different org, you know, found out that, you know, hey, they had some great success with X. I'm happy to go look at X, but I need to have the agility in my framework to be able to incorporate that analysis or articulate, hey, these are the things that we already have. Um, is this better? And does it displace any of that? Or is that noise and we shouldn't go after it? And I think the ecosystem is littered with uh, lots of really cool ideas uh, that weren't necessarily useful um, and they're no longer an organization. And so I, that, that was why I, I, I shot you that question, Vic. Thank I you. couldn't agree more on that, the, the last part of your answer there. Couldn't agree more. And Brad, it sounds like exactly what you're doing with those 90-day you know, discussions where you're trying to source the problems from the business units, what are you having difficulty with? And then perhaps go and find IT related solutions. But then again, it, it's also that active, um, maybe I can find a solution to something you didn't even see as a problem that'll help you do it more easily, right? So it's not, it can't always be That's right. just me solving the problems you've identified. Otherwise, as they say, Steve Jobs would have never come up with the iPhone, right? Yeah. That kind of a thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think there's a, another element to this, uh, at least here at Multicare. Um, yesterday, I uh, had the opportunity to go around in the ED at one of our um, flagship hospitals here with our COO. These are things that never show up uh, on an A3 meeting, but they're real tangible pebbles in people's shoes who are doing frontline work. Uh, like, hey, this monitor that I used to be able to see vitals hasn't worked since like 1987. Why is it still hanging from the ceiling? Awesome question. Uh, we probably should remove it or fix it or find a different solution. Um, all the way to the really tangible things like cable management for anesthesia machines. If someone's in the middle of a code and they start to move this thing, it comes unplugged. Well, and then IT gets a call because the anesthesia machine doesn't work. Uh, how do we fix that? How do we actually put solutions in place that prevent the call before it happens? Those things never make it to an A3. And yet to our frontline staff, the, the reason that I'm here, uh, these are the biggest uh, and most valuable things that we could fix for them. And so I I, I bring that stuff into the uh, mix as well, because I think it's important to deal with both. Michael, thoughts? Yeah, I think back to, to Vic's original com or comment, I do think there are some some things that the CIO is still going to, <laughs> to drive. I mean, I, you know, we're driving all of our cyber um, initiatives. We're driving a lot of our core infrastructure things. Um, we don't drive necessarily, though, our, our transitions to the cloud. And I know Brad said he's moving to Workday, obviously, cloud-based. I don't know where they are today. But, you know, that is one that could be considered very infrastructure and techie, right? But there are distinct business case reasons for moving these environments to the cloud. And those things um, are where we see more of the kind of the technical things that are, that are being co-championed, um, you know, across the organization. All right, very good. Next question, we're going to get into ROI a little bit. Um, Vic, we're actually going to start with you. Talk about how best to predict ROI for a project, initiative, or technology. Some, I assume, are harder than others, but just saying that it cannot be calculated doesn't seem like a winning strategy. Yeah, look, I mean, couldn't agree more. Uh, benefits for these types of projects should be quantifiable. Uh, look, there's always going to be some level of assumptions made uh, that underlie that analysis. 
And it's good to have a discussion on whether those assumptions are reasonable. But, uh, you know, us as a vendor, you know, our job is to be able to share learnings based on our work with uh, other similar organizations uh, and find ways to help getting some of that, that data. In the end, estimating ROI is always going to be an art and a science. It's never going to be perfect before the project's actually done. But, you know, if you take that approach and look at it in a couple of ways, uh, and I fundamentally cannot make a case that there's ROI that could be measured. Those types of projects probably, I would recommend, you know, should be deprioritized. But I think if something is logically tied to things like more patient visits, less bad prep, more collections, converting a manual human-centered process into a digital one, it should be easy to look at those types of initiatives and prove before, uh, you know, even that project is underway that there's ROI there. So we try to make it easier as a vendor. but look at, you know, what metric is improving. So certainly, Vic, anybody dealing with a vendor that says they can't offer an ROI on their proposed solution, that that might be a warning sign. I, I would say so, but yeah. uh, I would. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, I, you know, Vic used art and science, you know, comment, and I'm not being crass at all. On the vendor side, they want it to be more of an art, but on the on the on the provider side, we want it to be more of a science, right? <laughs> and so, you know, it's uh, there, there's all you know how you, how you can you know predict ROI, and there's you know we really have two different ones. We have the hard science stuff, and then we have the soft sort of patient satisfaction, employee satisfaction, you know, those all those things that that are really really difficult to calculate. Um, and so you can. Uh, you know, there's some other things, the other components that are coming into it today around um, potential from a cyber issue, right? And and some of the technology that we have to evaluate, and and do we have a higher propensity of risk with with some of the current technology, and and is that a reason to move? And so there's there's ways of of getting some some real hard dollars, but also potential um, savings or, or financial impact. Um, but uh, yeah, we. Um, yeah, we're still looking. We're still looking more for the science stuff. Mm-hmm. Very good, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I I'm really uh, bullish on um, being able to quantify the value of the things we do. I in in roles that uh, I think Michael and I are in, um, you're always justifying. <laughs> you're literally always justifying your budget. Why is your staff the, the size that it is? Why do we need? Why are we paying so much for X? So this is why you're starting to see the role of the CIO become less of a technologist and more of a business person. Uh, because uh, in this role, you need to be able to speak fluent uh, business. So I'll, I'll give you a use case that we just rolled out. Um, because of that nursing shortage, we knew that we had a hard ROI that we needed to be able to show uh, around supplementing uh, our nurses' valuable time, allowing them to be at the bedside so that we can actually um, provide better patient care and taking the non-value added tasks off. Now that sounds super cool, uh, but what's the ROI behind it? So in our very first six days, I was over the top on the metrics associated with this rollout because we know how much it costs to roll it out. In six days, it did 648 deliveries. So it worked 364 hours, which is equivalent of about 45 shifts. 179 people made this thing do different tasks and it saved over 321,000 steps. So you kind of like, okay, well, that's cool. Uh, what's the what's the ROI? Well, the ROI is our nurses didn't have to go do that. Right. And the ROI is that, you know, Timmy um, in our children's hospital got better patient care because the nurse was with him 
as opposed to walking from the bedside over to the pharmacy. Now, these are the stories that catch legs in the hospitals. So we can go put out an email that nobody reads, but when they actually see that the team is actually doing something to help remove a pebble in their shoe, and it's not IT pushing it, this was driven by our chief nursing uh, officer, uh, you know, it's a win-win for the whole system backed by, Michael, to your point, the science, uh, yeah. the, the data. The art is maybe in the storytelling of how we articulate it, but the data is the data. Wow, very good, very cool. Um, next question, should ROI always be easier to prove after the fact, or can it still be challenging in some cases? What's the best way to show the business that it's getting value for IT dollars planned or spent? So you've got the predictive ROI that you're going to put in when you want to get dollars for something. You're saying, we think this is the payoff. <clears throat> and then after the fact, uh, you may get the question that says, well, how did your predictions pan out? Um, so can it uh, still be challenging after the fact, Michael? Yeah, we have. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, it can be challenging to um, to to understand. Um, you know, after it's been implemented, we uh, for for specific, and, and of course, we're not doing ROI and everything, right? There's there's usually a a dollar threshold or a time threshold for some sort of project initiative that we're that we're initiating that on. And so, for several of our large dollar ones, we have a quarterly check in. Um, on those, it's kind of you know holding your nose to the grindstone. You said this is going to provide this much value. Um, is it is it providing the financial value? Is it providing the the optimized efforts and and you know that were identified the the KPIs that were identified? Are, are we are we tracking along that? Um, and you know we've started doing something a little more interesting. We're definitely doing more trials and proof of concepts now um with a lot of these vendors because we're, we're getting hit by an onslaught of third-party apps that kind of augment some of our, our our more primary uh systems and solutions um but we're also entering into shorter term contracts that if if this new tech that we're implementing if we can't get it functional and working within 18 months it probably shouldn't be in our environment mm -hmm. and so we are we are now exiting much quicker than what we we had in the past if we're not meeting what we said we were going to meet. Very good, Brad. Yeah, I think similarly, uh, we're also a, an Epic shop. Um, Epic is never going to be at the cutting edge of innovation. And by the time Epic figures out how to do it, third-party players will have already figured out how to done it, so, sold their companies to another organization. And now we take on a bigger um, you know, price tag for each of the SKUs that we've already adopted. Um, in this kind of vicious cycle, some of these have really powerful ROIs right out of the gate. And what I'm trying to drive with our own IT org is uh, we will always go back and measure the value. This is part of the, the story and the value we're trying to prove, uh, if you will, as IT. So 18 months, absolutely. Um, I'd like to be able to show that value after six days. Uh, that's not true in some of these capabilities, especially for a large implementation like a workday, for example. Um, but the proof is in the pudding. Should we be able to hire less people in a certain area because we've automated recruiting or onboarding? And those are really, really, um, I'll call them table stakes for a large ERP implementation. Uh, it's some of these more ancillary third-party um, project management tools and things of that nature that it's harder to quantify the value. And yet I still think you need the rigor to go back and hold the mirror up and say, this is what we said we were going to do when the project was blessed. What have we learned? Mm -hmm. And I think it's in that learning that we can adjust. Vic? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I may have led into this answer with my my previous answer, but I think the plan for exactly what is going to be measured and how should be should be put together before the project even gets started. So it's not a question about how do we go back and prove the ROI. And, and that's generally, you know, what I see certainly in projects that we're involved in as a vendor. But I'll go back to, you know, some of the things I mentioned earlier. What is it tied to? Is it tied to more patient visits? Is it tied to less bad prep, more collections, converting a human-centered activity into a digital one? Those are uh, generally easier to measure. You'll see that uplift. Uh, and you can actually even do a trust but verify approach where uh, the health organization is measuring it. And they're also asking the vendor, in this case us, uh, to measure it too and compare notes and see, is it coming out the way we thought? Um, there are certainly types of projects which are harder to measure, but those are things that are known before the project gets started and should be considered you know, when evaluating to pro- whether to prioritize that or not. Um, Michael, is there... Uh a tendency to want to move on to the next thing because there is so much work to do and you know determining ROI on something that's been rolled out requires resources and time and people and there may be a tendency to say well I'd rather have them working on the next thing as far as we know this is successful the rollout was successful I mean is that something that has to be resisted or does that sometimes have to you have to give up on that ROI study to keep people moving forward Yeah I don't think we we give up on that ROI study. I think we have a structure in place where we have people within IT that are focused on the finance of IT, right? You have to have dedicated people that just that do just that. And that just becomes a part of their job to where okay. they're tracking that. They're 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 the ones that are that are accumulating that data, all those data points on whatever, you know, whatever we're trying to track, and then um, they're reporting that out. So now I think um, you know, it's it's it needs to be hardwired with the organization. Mm-hmm. And so some organizations that, yeah, that could be true. What you're saying, Anthony, but you know, you, you can't hardwire that to be a part of your cultures and, and, and to, you know, to show the value and the importance of that. Very good. All right. Um, next question, Brad, let's start with you. Uh, I have a feeling the answer is going to be both, but are you looking for longer term or ambitious projects or short-term low-hanging fruit that are easier to implement and see results? Uh, yes, uh, we've, <laughs> we've got, uh, we've got both currently in the portfolio and um, you know, even the word long-term is, is actually starting to pivot for all the reasons that have been mentioned today as we uh, embrace more um, cloud-based platforms, you know, the reliance on data centers and, you know, procuring hardware um, is shorter. Um and yet, on the other side of my mouth, I will say, because of our growth and acquisition strategy, it might take two years to go bring a hospital that we buy online, completely retroed with our latest and greatest uh, standard from desktop to access points. Um, those are the ones that people tend to forget about because they have such a long lead time. The low-hanging fruit and the short wins is what we uh, typically go to the you know pulpit and, and espouse um, because we want to continue to drive that visibility so that, again, when we get to the end of the year, we know exactly what we uh, did. Um, when I came on to this role uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was fairly um, adamant that we have two roles uh, embedded in IT. Uh, first was a COO. Uh, because we need to be able to run IT as a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, because of our CareConnect arm and we offer uh, IT services to other people, we're more profitable than some of our business units. Um, the second role is a CFO. 
uh, and to have a dedicated CFO inside of IT. And uh, that sounds really weird, except outside of healthcare, it's very standard. And so that's where I came from. And through all these um, kind of iterations, um, because we've put that rigor on our portfolio now, we can quantify value quarterly, monthly, um, or annually, and then cut it by, uh, you know, you guys are raining down change on us. How do you think about the impact to a specific demographic of stakeholders so we don't rain all that change at once to nursing or to doctors or, in this case, to, you know, the entire operational staff with an ERP implementation? Um, so our, our portfolio, uh, Anthony, is, is built of all projects of this make and model. So in this in this kind of vision, you have you're the CEO of IT, and then you have like a CFO and a COO in IT, correct? Yeah, I don't know that my CEO would agree with that, but uh, I would say um, I'm happy to be the CIO uh, of IT right. and partner with those uh, those colleagues. Well, I'll send him an email after and told him, tell him that you said you were the CEO. I think he's listening. I'm sure he's okay. actually on right now. All right, very good, Michael. Are you the CEO of IT? I'm not saying that either. That's a, that is a unique. That is very unique and that's very interesting, uh, Brad. I think that's 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 really interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 ever important um, to have those kind of those those roles. They, you know, not those titles always, but those roles within IT because it is it is so so complicated. Um, you know, I I think the answer is yes, right? You know, I think we're we are we are trying to do more of the you know the L, the little I the little innovations and and innovate quickly and and make improvements um, within our areas um, try different care delivery models really quickly and so we're uh, you know see if it sticks see if it works and if it can we can expand it if not throw it away without a whole lot of investment yeah we, you know we've purchased hospitals and, and you know like Brad and those are definitely longer term more complicated difficult projects. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we're trying to do now really is, and we'll see how this goes, is, is really move more into a no code environment. And we're not a big internal coding shop here. Um, but with our partnership with Google and there's some third party apps there that we're trying to move more no, no code development throughout the organization outside of IT to these other areas that, that have some of the technical capabilities to, to build things themselves. Right. And, and um, I think that's going to be a really interesting um, future path for us to see that expand throughout the organization and see it grow. Um, at some point, I am a little concerned about, okay, how are we going to, you know, are we going to have to be involved with that to help support that longer term? Um, but I definitely think we're, we are we are trying to evolve and innovate really quickly and 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 fix problems that we have today or fix opportunities that we have today. <clears throat> Very good, Vic. Your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, look, I think uh, you know, as a vendor, we've supported health systems and hospitals on both longer-term projects and the low-hanging fruit short-term ones. But um, actually, my perspective is that we see uh, some of the the low-hanging fruit projects. I think missed uh, to, to too high a degree. Again, that's our outside-in perspective. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, the what we see across the industry is a majority of health systems still schedule referral appointments in a largely non-digital, often manual way. Um, that's a we've had that solution for a couple of years, and it's you know a, an interesting one that we're driving a lot of adoption in. And we can actually fully digitize that process in about three months. 
But me personally, I visited my PCP a couple of weeks ago, and I got a referral into a, a health system, and they called me. Now, if anybody anybody knows me knows that there's probably only two people who can reach me on the phone, my wife and the CEO of our holding corporation, but uh, they got lucky. They reached me, but if they hadn't, nine times out of 10, you won't, I would have forgotten, and that would have been a lost referral appointment. Uh, and that can be digitized easily. That's a low-hanging fruit project. And we've got 10 other things that I think are low-hanging fruit that I find as a vendor that we're sometimes pushing on uh, and don't seem to be on the radar, but outside in perspective. Yeah, very good. Thank you for that. All right. Uh, my favorite segment, ask a co-panelist. So, Vic, we're going to start with you. Do you have a question for one or both of your co-panelists? Yeah, I would say, uh, uh, actually, uh, Brad and Michael, I'd, I'd love your answer, uh, uh, both of your answers on this, but uh, an example of a situation where, you know, you've worked with a vendor on a digital transformation implementation project, and it didn't work out. Like, what what were the warning signs? Why didn't it? And how would you do that differently going forward? Michael? Yeah, I would say some of the warning signs, I mean, and this could be outside of this digital as well, right? You know, so we have we have project plans in place, um, but you're you're seeing disengagement from the vendor. Um, you're starting to see date slip, um, not hit targets, those sort of things. That's when our alarms, I would say, um, if I'm answering your question, Vic, I mean, that's when our I think our, our alarms start to um, to, to raise um, internally, and and um, you know, I think especially anything like that to where we are, we are changing how the organization or the enterprise does business. And, and that isn't, you know, transitioning appropriately or migrating, you know, in the proper time frame, um, because that's going to take a lot, you know, especially from a digital transformation, you, there's a lot of stakeholders in that. Right. And so if we start to see slippage there, I think that's going to catch a lot of attention of, of not just myself and, and, and my colleagues with IT, but, other other leaders within the business. So just basically missing, you know, you work out a plan, a schedule of things are supposed to happen and those things aren't happening on their end. The things they're supposed to do are not happening on time. You start to get concerned and maybe a little nervous. Yep. That's true. Brad. Yeah, Vic, I, I would also add um, to Michael's point, depending on the relationship that we have uh, and the engagement. So let's pretend that um, this is part of our venture cap arm at MultiCare and we're investing money in the said startup. Um, it's probably okay for the president of the startup to be running the demo because many times these are two, three, four person shops. If I'm looking for um, you know an awesome solution like Televox and I've got the president of Televox running the demo for you know MultiCare's patient access team, my antenna might go up, and then likely all of the milestones, et cetera, would lead uh, to a you know a, a bad engagement. I we have gone um, culturally to the point of we will just call it early if we don't think it's either a cultural fit or a technical fit. Um, I'll just end the pilot, and uh, the pilot windows have become shorter so that we can assess both the technical capabilities, but probably more important, the cultural fit, to make sure that they can actually work with uh, work with our team. Well, Brad, you're in luck because I, I wouldn't know how to run that demo. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. But you know what's interesting, Brad? That, that's a really interesting point. And a, a vendor or someone that really wants your business may err, in a sense, on the side of sending someone to high level, saying, we really want this business. We're going to send the chief. But from your perspective, you're going, why is the chief here? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe even a little, a little more nuanced. Um, 
you might see the the president uh, or CEO of said startup kick it off and then wisely hand it to an engineer, which is what he or she should probably do. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, I, I mean, I understand the, the sentiment and it's not a hard, fast rule. It's just something yeah. that we look for uh, on our side. But conversely, Brad, if 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 you were expecting someone of a certain level right. and that's not provided, that's also an issue. It's also an issue. Yeah. You got to get it right. You got to get the Goldilocks, right? You got to get that's it right. just right. All right. Very good. So um, we're back to our Ask a Co-Panelist. Um, Brad, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask one or both of your co-panelists a question. Yeah. So, uh, Vic, I'll come your way. Um, for Michael and I, uh, what's the most annoying thing as a vendor partner that you see CIOs do uh, that we should be aware of as you're engaging um, in developing new business, but also maintaining current business? <clears throat> Oh, uh, I have to pick one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, I, I'm completely kidding. So, so I, I think, um, I think one of the most challenging things. And by the way, I, you, Brad, you mentioned your name and Michael, so I'm not speaking for for both of you. I'm just saying, general, is you know, getting on the radar and being able to have that dialogue, even for 15 minutes, on a low hanging fruit project. And, and by the way. Uh, I, I know what it's like. I, Brad, I actually want to piggyback a bit off of your answer. Uh, you know, when you talk about uh, the president or CEO of a startup being there on the pitch, I think, you know, this is what I would be stressed about as a CIO in digital health, just the sheer number of startups out there, promises yeah. out there. And again, I don't mean to sound promotional, but, you know, our slogan, which we take the heart of Televox is powered by experience proven at scale. Um, I think that, you know, cutting through the noise, to be honest, as a vendor, and just having a very short, purposeful dialogue on, hey, here's a low-hanging fruit project. Like, how do we get this prioritized? You're going to see more patient visits. You're going to decrease your cost. I think that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time as a vendor talking about. How do we just have that 15-minute conversation, even sometimes with the CIO of one of our own customers? So I think that would be it. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, Michael, do you have a question for one or both of your co-panelists? Yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about how the CIO and, and you know, colleagues of the CIO or the C-suite members drive projects. But a lot of our, our role is, is to build up those around us, build up our leaders and those sort of things. So, you know, how do you how do you all help, you know, get your your leadership team visibility in driving some of these things? To where it's not the CEO of IT or the CEO of a company that are doing this, Brad. Yeah, I'll I'll answer it probably this way. Um, these uh, these ninety day engagement windows, uh, Michael, that we've had where we we go through our A three, um, really puts my business partners in the driver's seat of reporting out on their capability, whether it's uh, SMS or chatbot or virtual nursing or all of the above. All I'm doing is acting as the convener and giving them a forum to come and say, here's what we've learned in the last 90 days, and I'm going to make this up. We're, it's stuck in legal, or the technology's awful, or the resolution of the camera is terrible. Here's what I need in the next 90. My entire leadership team is taking notes because, as you know, it takes sometimes infrastructure friends, security friends, et cetera. And so that's that's the rhythm we've taken. And it's become more of a business review now than an IT thing. And to me, that's the cultural shift that tells me that I'm on the right the right track. All right. I have uh, one more quick question I want to get in. Um, have you 
been in a situation where uh, either you were were promoting a solution or you felt the organization needed to roll out a particular technology and perhaps you had the support of others in the C-suite, but some of the business users, the business owners were not on board. And I'm wondering how that how that's best handled. Uh, Brad, let me start with you. Uh, ask me in about nine months when we roll it out. Uh, we're we're going to be the first uh, healthcare system on the West Coast to roll out uh, drones uh, for delivery um, for for our lab. Um, first use cases uh, intra departmental, so from a hospital to to said lab. Um, second use cases from um, hospital to home. Uh, because it's no different than you know Amazon Prime or um, people don't want to go to the pharmacy, uh, so I'll just deliver it to you and you can pay a cheaper fee. Um, awesome momentum uh, and met with a lot of trepidation because all of us can look out our window right now and you don't see drones flying around delivering things yet. Mm-hmm. And I say yet because you, we absolutely believe it's going to become a commodity. And so we wanted to be first to market with that capability when FAA regulations uh, lit up in our state so that we could. Um, but the business, of course, is looking at, well, why are we spending money on that when, you know, I've got, you know, cords all over the floor and, you know, cameras that need to be replaced and hardware that needs to be upgraded. They're not wrong. It's the difference between short-term view, long-term view, and trying to find that beautiful balance of yes and. Michael? Well, I don't want to follow up drone delivery, so yeah, that's tough. I th- yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I think we see a lot of that. You know, go back to the kind of the physician burnout. You know, we'll see a lot of this about things that we want to do, new tech to augment, you know, our epic or other things within, um, you know, our our physician environment, whether it be outpatient, inpatient, what have you. And so there's there's you can, you can get support, um, you know, from a lot of leaders throughout the organization, but it's still the the buy-in of the docs, and so. Really, you know, I think that the most successful things around that are just these really small, hey, let's get these three to five docs that are trialing this on, on, a, on a really small scale. Let's see if we can build some momentum, build some progress and and, and grow that out. So, um, you know, it's just one example. But, uh, you know, I think it just goes back to kind of that small scale. Let's proof it out, see if it can work out, find the people that'll that'll advocate and support you. And then if it doesn't move on, if it does, we can expand. Very good, Vic. I want to just give you a minute for any final thoughts, any final piece of advice for our audience today. Sure. Uh, uh, what I would say is uh, my recommendation is to give strong consideration to platform solutions as opposed to point solutions. You can consolidate your needs down to fewer larger vendors versus you know dozens and dozens of smaller ones. It will make life easier. Furthermore, to that point, I would say if you have a need, or maybe if you just want ideas on how to get more ROI, uh, talk to a vendor you're already doing business with. For example, you know whoever your vendor is for appointment management, start by asking them, what else will they sign up for? What else can they actually do for you in the short and medium term? And I'd even emphasize the short term to drive ROI. I, I know this happens, uh, but I'm still amazed that it doesn't happen more frequently. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there that I think we've talked about where the right digital solutions can be adopted and deployed um, in year and to be delivering ROI. Like you're sitting here in February, you'll be seeing that ROI within 2023. So that would be my recommendation. Excellent. Thank you, Vic. All right. We're about out of time. Regarding continuing continuing education, you can use the final uh, certificate in this uh, deck. 
to slide in this deck. You'll receive an email when the on-demand recording is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team and go to our website to register for upcoming panels. With that, I want to thank our tremendous panel, Brad Busick, Michael Ely, and Vic Krishnan. I want to thank Televox for sponsoring and making the event possible and you for attending. And with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.